Welcome to Grace Life Church Podcast. If you would like any more information about us, please visit our website, gracelife.com.au. So let's go into the Word. I want to take you to a scripture today. No, I'm not going to take you to a scripture. I want to take you on a journey. A few years ago, I think it was last year, my wife and I decided for the second time to actually go to Birdsville. We're going to the Big Red Bash, if anyone knows about that. It's a concert, worldly concert, in the middle of nowhere, right? So we drove across the desert. We went down, if anyone knows some of the tracks, we went down the Great Central Highway. We then went on the Udadetta track, through the Birdsville track. We were camped out most nights in my camper van and my four-wheel drive, which is called Lucifer. You have to ask Kyle about that. Um, and, and we're driving across, right? And we get there when we're parked, no one around for hundreds of miles, parked in the desert. We've got our camper van. Margie, my wife, has decided that the night day's finished. She's got into the camper. And I'm sitting outside on my van, on my seat, ready to do my good night to God prayers, right? The ones where we give him a list of to-do to do things while we sleep because he keeps awake. So I'm there in my chair. I've got my to-do list for God. And I'm about to pray. And I look up into the stars and I went, wow, that's a lot of stars. And you know what? The more I looked at it, the more stars came. And the more stars came. And then you try and look past the stars into the blackness and my brain's going, man, you're a big God. You're a big God. And my challenge was, have I made this God who made all that so small for my little problems? Have I made that God and put him into my size world? Have I made that God just big enough for me? And is that the reason why maybe the world, the world doesn't believe? Because we've made God too small. We've actually put him into a man-sized box. See, there's a scripture that says Isaiah 40. Can you imagine this? Everyone reads the end of Isaiah 40. We all know that. He who tries... Go goes tired and weary and waits upon the Lord. But look at Isaiah 40, 25. It says, To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? Asked the Holy One. Look up into the heavens. Who created all those stars? He brings them out like an army, one after another, calling each one by its name because of his great power and incomparable strength not a single one is missing. Here's your question. How big is your God? How big is the God you've been worshipping today? How big is he? Have we made him too familiar? Have we made him... Have you listened to our prayers lately? You know, our daddy, dad. Hello? That he says twice in the Bible, Abba, which is daddy, followed by father, which is patriarch. How, how often have I've heard people say, mate, and I'm going, God, have I made you so familiar? So familiar that I've actually lost the bigness of who you really are. And I'm challenging myself as I challenge the church. We need to make God bigger again. This is what a, 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 um, a Jewish biblical scholar by the name of James Kahlberg said. And this is what he said. Kahlberg said, Greeks learn in order to comprehend 
right? We're Greek thinkers. We want to comprehend. Hebrews learn in order to revere. Ah. They learn to actually give reverence to God. But the modern man learns in order to use. See, this is what this guy says. He says, in the West or in modern society, we've actually even got rid of the concept of mystical stuff because we want to know so much stuff. And our knowledge is going, oof. Do you know we're increasing our knowledge every 24 hours in society at the present time? So our knowledge is actually becoming so, we get rid of the concept of the mystical concept of who God is. Look at what else he says. To the modern man, everything seems calculated, everything reducible to a figure. He has a supreme faith in aesthetics and abhors the idea of a mystical, of mystery. Obstinately, he ignores the fact that we are surrounded by things which we apprehend but cannot comprehend. That even see reasons is sorry. That even reason is a mystery itself. He is sure of his ability to explain all mystery away. The awareness of God of grandeur and the sublime is all but gone from the modern mind. You see, a Jewish person would say, man is small and God is big. In Western society, we say God, man is big and God is small. Carl, Carl Berg says, uh, he says, Carl Gould says, there was a guy that came from, he was an Arabian um, Jewish believer and he came to America, went to America and he, his big culture problem was he sat under theologians was you make God so small and man so big. Yet where I come from, man was small and God was big. I think it's time. You see, what happens? Here was an army, a massive army, a massive army, the biggest army in the world. They had a king who was the biggest king ever, head and shoulders above everybody else. His name was Saul. And this army was fighting a Philistine army that was nowhere near the same size. And yet they were, they were stifled because of one thing. They said, we'll have one of our guys fight one of your guys. You get your biggest guy, which should have been the king, and we'll get our biggest guy, and let's have a fight, and whoever wins is the winner. And what happened? The people of God became squashed within the fear of this giant was bigger than their God until a little guy comes along, little David, and he comes along and he says, what are you thinking? How dare that big guy come against my big God? Because my big God ain't going to stand there for that. You see, and too often our Goliaths, our things in the world, our problems become bigger than God. You see, with what you focus on becomes the biggest. Did you know that? And if we focus on the problems, then our God becomes too small. If we focus on what we haven't got, God becomes too small. If our focus, that's why Jesus said, don't worry about those things, but do what? Seek first the kingdom of God, because that's bigger than those things that you're worrying about. How big is your God? Is he bigger than your biggest problem? Is he bigger than your worries about finances? Is he bigger than your sickness? Is he bigger than, than life itself? Because that's where he wants to be. He wants to be a big God. I want to take you on a little, a little journey. Because you see, the thing is that 
even if you've been a Christian for a long time, your God needs to be bigger. Your God will never be big enough. You'll never grow him to the size he is. So we need to keep growing him. Every day we need to be growing God in our lives. The picture of God, our vision of God, those stars need to get bigger every day. And what you stare at becomes the biggest. Jimmy Baker, actually I probably shouldn't have said his name, but anyway, there was this televangelist that was written in a book and he was in prison for a long time because of stuff he'd done. He was the most influential um, evangelist in the world. And in his book by John Bevere, he talks about how he goes to visit him because he never met him, but he heard about him. And, and this fella, this tele-evangelist, said, I'd like to talk to John Bevere. So he invited him to come and meet with him. John Bevere, after talking to him, didn't know what to say. So he asked him a question. When did you fall out of love with Jesus to get here? He said, I never fell out of love with Jesus. I've always loved Jesus. I worship him. He's awesome. He gave me salvation. He said, what I did was I fell out of fear of God. You see, the fear of God is actually reverence of God. It's the awe of God. When we still fall out of the awe of God and we become focused on me, I can still love Jesus. I can still worship him, but I'm in danger. How big is your God? How big is your God? Let me take you on a journey up a hill to grow the bigness of our God. Matthew 7, 1 to 9. Let's read it together. It says this, after six days, Jesus took with him Peter, James, and John, the brothers of James, and led them up a high mountain by themselves. I think God wants to take us up a mountain by yourself. There he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became as white as the light. Just then, there appeared before them Moses and Elijah talking with Jesus. Peter said to Jesus, Lord, it's good to be here. If you wish, I'll put up three shelters. One for you, one for Moses, one for Elijah. That's why you know they weren't Catholics. Because if they were Catholics, they would have built a temple. Right? And that's why we know they weren't Protestants, because otherwise it would have been a warehouse in a commercial area. So, uh, while he was still speaking, a bright cloud covered them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my son, whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. Highlight in your Bibles, your iPads, whatever you're reading. Listen to him. There was no other instruction. Listen to him. Then he goes on to say, When the disciples heard this, they fell face down to the ground, terrified. But Jesus came and touched them. Get up, he said. Don't be afraid. When they looked up, they saw no one except Jesus. As they were coming down the mountain... As they were coming down the mountain, coming down the mountain, yes. As they were coming down the mountain, they didn't stay there. Jesus instructed them, don't tell anyone what you have seen until the Son of Man has been raised from the dead. 
here is your invitation to make God bigger in your life right now. Not tomorrow, not the next day, right now. The first one is this. It started off with an invitation. Peter, James, John, guys, they'd been with Jesus for three years, right? That he was the rabbi of authority. They followed him wherever. He did miracles like other rabbis did. He, he, was, he gave great teaching like other rabbis. They knew Jesus as Jesus. They knew Jesus as the rabbi. And here was the invitation to see him as God. This was the invitation to make Jesus bigger than what they knew him. This was the invitation to go and see him bigger. You see, there's an invitation to each one of you, whether you're a believer here today or not, whether you know Jesus or not, whether you've been backslidden or not, there is an invitation. Come to me, all you who are weary and heavy laden. Come. There's an invitation right now. Abdul had an invitation. A guy called Bill, amazing story. He had an invitation. It was crazy. He was actually in hospital. He should have died. He was actually in emergency care. And I only spoke to him yesterday. And he was in emergency care. Didn't know Jesus. Comes from Vietnam. Has no idea of concept of God. He says to him as he's going through detox, God, if you are real, then, then, then give me a sign. Two days later, he's out the front having a cigarette. A guy, he says, looked like a homeless fella, came up to him and he said, mate, are you looking for a sign? And he said, pardon? And he gave him a flyer. If you're looking for a sign from God, this is it. God invited him, Bill, the drug addict, who was overdosed in Mirabuka, who should have been dead. God invited him. God invites you and I right now. He's saying, would you come with me? Would you come? Second thing that happens is this. They had to get away. They had to get, look, imagine this. There they are. This is my life. Cooking, fishing, paying the bills, following Jesus, taking notes. That's my life. Jesus says, come climb a mountain. I've got to walk away from my everyday world to climb the mountain to Jesus. I've got to get away from those things that are consuming me to go and find Jesus. I've got to put it, Jesus got up early in the morning every day and I couldn't find him because he was away with God and he was God. His best mate, or his cousin anyway, John the Baptist had his head chopped off. That's pretty gross, right? And not only is it gross, he would have been grieving. What did he do? He went away by himself. He went away. We need to learn to get away, to put the problems out. I don't care what you're facing right now, what's consuming your world. Maybe it's your sickness. Maybe it's your bills. Maybe it's your job. But we, we need to put it down and walk away and leave that for a bit to go and find Jesus, to make him bigger than that. He won't get bigger while I'm staying there. I need to get away. Richard Foster said this, our adversary majors in three things, noise, hurry, and crowds. If he can keep us engaged in muchness and manyness, he will rest.
we need to get away. We need to put the iPhone down. We need to put the iPad down. We need to put the TV down, Netflix. We need to put them down and get away and find time. Drop everything. But climbing a mountain is hard work, just like anybody. When our guys come in to our site, it's hard work. For the first three months, they're still detoxing. Yeah, they might have detoxed, but they're still going through other detoxes because we strip everything off them. They don't have anything. They don't have phones. They don't have anything. They have to do it tough because you know what's happening? They're climbing a mountain. And when you climb the mountain, God brings up all that rubbish inside. He brings up all that guilt, all that shame, all that stuff that's been, been hiding. He sort of bring it up. And that's what happens when you walk the mountain with Jesus. He brings that up. Because we've got to get rid of that. We've got to leave that down the bottom of the mountain so we can actually see God bigger than what he is. But then they were filled of just, just with that. I, I, I love this concept. Remember Abraham? God said, mate, you're going to have lots of kids, right? Yeah, the people of Israel. He was old. His wife's old. Everything stopped working. It's not happening. And they're in a tent. And the Lord came along and said, come outside the tent. Come outside the tent and look up. You see, the tent is our ceiling. Our tent is the thing that stops us. The tent is what stops us from seeing the stars. And sometimes we've got to get out of that which is our ceiling. It might be your, might be your belief system. It might be whatever. But what's the ceiling that I need to get out of? Next thing he did is they went up and they were filled with awe. A lady who I love reading about, her name is Louise Severberg. She's actually a, uh, lived in Israel. And she says this, The fear of the Lord is an awe-filled love of God that allows us to grow in deep knowledge. You see, we need to get back on our knees. We need to learn what it means to go into the holy place again. We need to learn that that, that holy place is where we get lost in awe and wonder. I remember very clearly, I still don't see the room, because I know where it was, where I actually asked as a young Christian, I think I need to be filled with the Holy Spirit, so I prayed for me. Nothing happened. Uh, pretty cool. I mean, we're Church of Christ. Wouldn't expect it, would you? Right. So I, I walked into my room, and I went to bed that night. I sat on my bed just about to pray. And suddenly, this is no joke, this is so true, I can still see it today, and I get tingles when I think about it, my whole room lit up. There was no lights on. The whole room, God's presence was in that room. And all of a sudden, I was speaking languages I'd never heard of before. I was on my knees crying. The presence of God is real. And he wants it to be real every day. He wants to grow it bigger every day. It's not a one-off experience. We need to get away. We need to climb the mountain and we need to get lost in his awe and wonder. Mother Teresa said this, we need to find God and he cannot be found in noise and restlessness. God is the friend of silence. And how nature, trees, flowers, grass, grows in silence. See the stars, the moon and the sun, how they move in silence. We need silence to be able to touch our 
souls. We need to get away. We need to get lost in the awe and the wonder. And we need to learn to listen. Mother Teresa was asked in a famous interview, what do you say when you pray? She said, I just, I think I just listen. So Dan, the reporter said, well, what does God say then? Nothing. He just listens. And not knowing what to ask next, she then said, if you don't understand that, I can't help you. See, God is about silence. It's about listening. You don't have to come away with a great word or another sermon or something. we just got to learn to get lost in his awe. See him for how big he is and listen. And listen. And listen. See, the good news works. The good news works. It changes lives. It changes addicts. It changes people who are struggling. It changes you and me if we would only climb the mountain and let God become God again and let him become bigger than we know him yesterday. He wants us to grow. But notice this lastly, as I get my help, the singers to come up, the worship team to come up, because I think God wants us to climb a mountain. But let me suggest to you this. They didn't stay there. They came down off that mountain back into the world. Good friend of mine, Tom, he actually is part of the Chamber of Commerce in Swan. And one day he was doing what he calls the Hour of Power and he had all these mates around the table. No non-Christians, one of them would say he's an atheist, all around the table and he's given them a lesson on business. He uses a proverb, but he doesn't tell them it's a proverb. He just is teaching them business. We're sitting around the table. He's sharing. And then he says, anyone got any questions? I'm thinking, well, this would be interesting. And a lady next to me went dead quiet. And all of a sudden she said, I think I need God. Where did that come from? He hasn't talked about God. He didn't mention God. And then we had this great discussion about spirituality around the table, even from the atheist, about God. Everyone left. Tom says to me, Steve, you all right? I said, oh, I'm confused. What happened? He made this comment. He said this. He said, Steve, it's not what you say, it's what you carry that counts. You see, we can only carry a big God if we spend time in the presence of a big God. We will only be able to carry God to work into your neighborhood, into your community, into those who are hurting, into the harvest field that's being destroyed if we actually spend time in awe and wonder of a God that is bigger than you could ever imagine. I want to encourage you today. As we, as the people of God, start to say we're here on mission people we've got a faith promise of some money but let's have a faith promise of his presence and let's make a difference we have a world that needs us that's the another organization it doesn't need it needs people of god who know how big their god is who will make a difference i'm going to ask you to stand Back in 1990, 
in an Anglican church back in England, Watford, England, called Soul Survivor. The pastor decided that we, we need to change things up here. So he said, let's get rid of the music. Let's get rid of the lights. Let's get rid of, strip everything back. And let's just make it what you bring to church on a Sunday. What you bring into the presence. Let's not organize anything. Let's get right, just for a season, let's get right back to nothing. And let's make Jesus the focus again. The worship leader, who was a great worship leader, but if you know Matt Redman, he went home and he sat in his bed and he put a song together. A personal prayer for him. He took it to his pastor. He said, look, I, this is my prayer. I sat on my bed. This is my prayer. The pastor said, this is not a song for us. This is a song for the world. When the music fades, all is stripped away and I simply come. Longing just to bring something that's of worth that will bless your heart. I will bring you more than a song, for a song in itself is not what you have required. You search much deeper within through the way things appear. You're looking into my heart. I'm coming back to the heart of worship and it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. I'm sorry, Lord. For the things I've made it, when it's all about you, it's all about you. King of endless worth, no one could express how much you deserve. Though I'm weak and poor, all have it's your, all I have is yours. Every single breath, I'll bring you more than a song. For a song in itself is not what you require. You search much deeper with you through the way things appear you're looking right into my heart i'm coming back to the heart of worship close your eyes for a moment would you put everything down become climb a mountain right now there's an invitation for you it might be and i invite you maybe today you want to say yeah god has got a bit small in my life it's just become my actions and my activities i'm going to invite you symbolically to walk out from your seat. And so I'm putting that, all those things that I've been focusing on, I'm gonna to put to one side, because I'm gonna stand into his presence. Maybe step out of your seats and come down the front as we worship. Come climb the mountain. As you walk out of your seats, who knows what's gonna happen? God might be speaking to you. As you walk out that seat, he might be showing you stuff you need to let go of. You need to ask forgiveness of. People that you need to go and speak to. God starts to bring that light into who we are. And then you come and step into his presence at the top of the mountain. He feels you a friend. Not for anything else but for his Because he wants you to carry something. We hope you've enjoyed listening to this podcast from Grace Life Church. For more information about us or any of our services, please visit our website at gracelife.com.au.